want you to find the book of Joshua this morning. We're back in our study in the Old Testament of the book of Joshua. We're in chapter 7 this morning. For a few moments, I want to speak to you on this subject. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Joshua chapter 7, and we'll begin to read in verse number 1. Won't you stand with me this morning, all those that can and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's word. When Joshua chapter 7 began to read in verse 1, the Bible says this, But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up, and they spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about three thousand men went up there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the descent. Therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes, fell, on his, fell to the earth on his face before the ark until evening, he and the elders of Israel. And they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Last Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Oh, that we'd been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? So the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed things, and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed thing from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say... Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there's an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, there you shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to families, and the family which the Lord takes shall come by households, and the household which the Lord takes shall come Man by man, then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire, he and all he has, because he's transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done a disgraceful thing to Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning, brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. He brought the clan of Judah. And he took the family of the Zerites, and he brought the family of the Zerites man by man. And Zabdi was taken, he brought the household man by man. And Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord 
God of Israel, and make confession to him, and tell me now what you have done, and do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I've done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was hidden in his tent with the silver under it. And they brought them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all of Israel took with him, took Achan the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones, and they raised over them a great heap of stones still there to this day. So the Lord turned the fierceness of his anger. Therefore the name of that place has been called the valley of Achor, that is the valley of trouble to this day. Let's pray. God, we pray that your spirit would speak to us, challenge us. And God, I pray that we'll see some simple truths from what is a, a complex passage of Scripture. And God, I pray that as we come to a time of invitation, as we do each week, we simply pray, God, that if there's one in their midst who's never been saved, God, they will turn and trust you today to be Lord of their life. God, I pray for those who have sin buried under the tent of their life. God, I pray your spirit will convict them. And God, I pray while there is time, they'll confess it so that you can cover it before God one day you uncover it and it's too late to confess it. Have your way in our hearts and lives and we'll thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Won't you please be seated. Remember that the Bible says this is a really a foundational verse for um, the book of Joshua and all the stories of the Old Testament. First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 11, the apostle Paul says, now, all these things uh, that happened to them, that's the nation of Israel, they happened as examples. And they were written for our admonition, whom all the ends of the ages of the earth have come. There's two different stories in this chapter, but they're all bound together in the effect one upon the other. Uh, again, just to summarize um, what we've read this morning. Uh, after Jericho, it was on to the next battle. It was to the next city that needed to be conquered. And God had to plan city by city how the promised land would be taken. So Joshua sent out a recon to go out and see what Ai looked like, what the enemy was uh, going to be fortified in, what their plan needed uh, to be. And so the men came back and said, hey, we don't need everybody. This isn't like Jericho, so we don't need the whole army of Israel like we did before. Just send up about two or 3,000. So Joshua, he decided he'd send up three. So 3,000 people went up but only 2,964 came back. Uh, they'd experienced something on the other side of the Jordan that they hadn't experienced before, and that was defeat. And so Joshua, he was very confused, and he humbled himself. And then God began to speak to him and to, to challenge him. Again, verse number 11. God says, you know, why do you lie thus on your face? Verse 10, Israel has sinned. And they have transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they've even taken some of the accursed things that they've both stolen and deceived, and they put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand 
before their enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies because they become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed things from amongst yourself. Well, Joshua didn't know what he was talking about. He didn't know what had happened. We know from the benefit of reading the Scripture what had happened. But Joshua didn't know. So he followed God's plan. He took every tribe, he took family, and every head of family, and they were filed by, and God spoke to Joshua and said, that's the tribe, uh, that's the great-grandfather, that's the grandfather, that's the father, Achan, you're the man. And so Joshua began to challenge him and said, you know, what, what have you done? He had been singled out. Well, Achan had he'd gone back to Jericho. At some point in the night, things he had seen during the battle began to grip his heart. And he went back to Jericho. Listen again to what verse 21 of Joshua chapter 7 says. He says, When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold, uh, weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and I took them. Well, there was one great problem with this. God had cursed all of those things. And so they weren't to be possessed. They were to be left inside of Jericho except for those things that were to be brought inside the treasury. And so as a result of this, he and his entire family, they faced the death penalty. But his sin also brought judgment upon the nation of Israel. And there's separate sins that are going on in their lives. And so the question bears itself, you know, how did such defeat come so soon after such victory had been experienced just days earlier? It happened through this, friend, through spiritual deception. They listened to the voice of the enemy rather than giving heed and obedience to the clear teaching of God's Word. It happened on two fronts that ultimately affected each other. First off, I want you to notice this morning the sin that cost a life. The sin that cost a life. So this is the front of Achan and his family. First off, I want you to notice that Achan, he, he coveted what was corrupt. He coveted what was corrupt. Remember, look back in chapter 6 and verses 18 and 19. God clearly says, And you, speaking of the entire nation of Israel, by all means abstain. That means you're, you're not to possess it. Abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the bronze and the silver and the gold and the vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So don't miss this. God had clearly declared what was cursed and what wasn't cursed. It wasn't up for a vote. Uh, it wasn't up for discussion. The Word of God had clearly said what they could have and what they couldn't have. And so Achan began to covet those things. Well, how do you know that he coveted? Well, look at his own testimony in verse number 21 of chapter 7. He said, when I saw the spoils among the spoils, a beautiful Babylonian garment, different from what they'd been wearing for 40 years, something that just stood out uh, different, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. He said, I coveted them. What was he began to say was, I wasn't fully satisfied with what God had prospered us with. And so I wanted to take of these things that God said I couldn't have. 
And so he, he began to covet that which was corrupt. Well, friend, that's what got us in the shape that we're in to begin with in this world. Remember that in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 6. In chapter 2, God had told Adam and Eve, uh, he took them, he put them in the garden to, in the garden of Eden to tend it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat, but of the tree of evil and knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it, for the day you eat of it you will surely die. Well, chapter 3, here comes the serpent, that's Satan, and he begins to challenge Eve. Now, did God really say you can't eat of the tree in the midst of the garden? And she began to think about that. Well, there's really nothing to think about. God had said it, and that was it. That was it. And everything would have been fine. She said, yes, that's exactly what he said. Where's my hoe? And cut his head off. Because I'll just say the only good snake is a dead snake. Can I get an amen? And so if they would, she would just have dealt with Satan. And that's the way we're to deal with Satan. When his voice begins to tempt us in callings and in questions that are contrary to God's word. Friend, listen. We're to cut his head off in the name of Jesus and to flee. And together. But she didn't do that. And the Bible says, listen to what happens in verse number 6 of Genesis chapter 3. It's exactly what happened to Achan. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. And the tree desirable to make one wise. She took its fruit. She ate. She gave also to her husband. And he ate. Romans chapter 5 says, by one man sin entered the world. And death through sin. First John chapter 2 verse 16 says, We are tempted through lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. And that's what happened to Achan. He began to look on those things just as Eve began to look on the tree. If God had said don't touch it, take the extra measure. And I know, friends, somebody here in the south is just going to say, Well, Eve's just being legalistic. If I want to look at the tree, I'll look at the leaf. Anybody with a lick of sense is not even going to look at it. Because then you're not going to be tempted. Stay away from the tree. Don't get near the tree. But Achan went back. At some point, he had to get up out of his tent and cross over boundaries, go back to Jericho, and he began to look at those things that God said were accursed. And through that, Satan began to work, and he began to covet those things. He wanted them to be a part of of his life. He became dissatisfied, don't miss this, with what God had given him. And he began to think just like Eve. You know, God's holding out on us. I mean, we've got, the, think of this, the stupidity of this statement. We've got the North Pole to the South Pole. Every single tree on earth is ours. But this one tree, God just doesn't love us. He's holding out on us. How foolish. She traded the entire world, Adam and Eve, all the trees in the world, for one tree. For one tree. And Achan traded all the promised land for a Babylonian garment, a wedge of gold, and a little bit of silver. And God would have given him so much more if he had just waited on God's timing. But he began to covet. And that's why Jesus said in Luke chapter 12 and verse number 15, he said, take heed. That is, pep up and says, be serious about this. Don't be deceived. Take heed. Beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Friend, I want you to listen to me. 
Everything that you think you've got to have to be happy, one of these days it's appointed a man wants to die and then the judgment. You're going to draw your last breath and none of it you're going to take with you. The only thing you're taking to heaven is what you've done in Jesus' name. That's it. And so Jesus says, beware. Why? Spiritual deception. Satan makes you think, well, you're just not going to be happy until you get this. And then once you get this, you're not going to be happy until you get that. And once you get that, you're not going to be happy until you get more. Friend, be satisfied in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he began to covet what was corrupt. But secondly, he crossed what was commanded. Again, in chapter 6, verses 18 through 19, God had clearly said, you can't have these things. There's a clear command. But at some point, friend, he had to get up in the middle of the night and figuratively live. Listen, he crossed the Word of God. The, the Word of God was a fence that he couldn't walk past. As he began to think about all of those Babylonian treasures, the Word of God stood there as a fence and said, you're not to cross over to these things. These things can't be a part of your life. And any time you and I sin, listen, as believers, the Holy Spirit is there shouting out truth. You can't do this. And let me say when it comes to sins of omission, when the Holy Spirit is saying, you need to be doing these things. You need to do this. And Satan's sitting there saying, no, you don't. Nobody else does that. And I hear this all the time. Well, such and such doesn't do it, and such and such doesn't do it. Friend, who cares about such and such? What does the Word of God say? And so he, he crossed over a clear command. He coveted what was corrupt. He crossed over what had been commanded. And that's why the psalmist says in Psalm 119, verses 9 through 10, listen, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. What's the truth out? It's not just get clean, but friend, listen, the reflexive truth is there. How can a young man stay clean? How can a young woman of God stay clean before God? By taking heed to the Word of God. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Psalmist begins to pray, God, don't let me listen to the devil and cross over your clear commands. Don't let me wander from your word. He coveted what was corrupt. He crossed over what was commanded. And he courted what was cursed. He began to love those things. He began to develop a heart for, for what the Bible had clearly cursed. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Jesus said this. He says, do not lay up... For yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Listen, here, here's, here's the litmus test. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Well, friend, you can reverse that truth. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. What you love and what you give yourself to, that's what's most important to you in life. You want to really see whether Jesus is number one, what we preached last week, you're really all in? See what you give yourself to. 
See what's on your schedule that you live out. Can I say this again? See the things that you've put before Jesus Christ and service to Him. And that'll show, friend, what you really love more than Jesus Christ. And so Achan, he, he begins to, to faint in his spiritual relationship with God, and he begins to love what the Bible had cursed more than the Lord. He began to court those things. He loved the accursed things more. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That means there can be nothing between. It means I love God more than anything, and the proof is in the walk of my life. It's in the walk of my life. And he demonstrated that he didn't. And so it, it, he took of those things, and they became a part of his life. Verse number 11, God says he's, he's put it among. Israel is sin. They have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. Listen. And they have also put it among their old stuff. Don't miss this. Achan took those things and he tried to blend it in with a life of holiness. Do you see that this morning? Pep up, do you see that? He went and got those things and he brought it into the camp that was to be marked by holiness, that was to be marked by separation, that was to be marked by sanctification, set apart for the exclusive use of God. And he tried to blend that into his life where nobody would notice. Why don't you listen to me, friend? God noticed. God saw. And I'm telling you this morning, my friend, you can, you can watch your little dirty shows, you can listen to your worldly music, you can cheat in white little ways. It's not, it's not a, a broad thing. You can put things, worldly things, before God that everybody else is doing, and you can try to blend that into your life, and sadly, you'll be like most of the Laodicean church today that is lukewarm, God says it best. But friend, I want you to know, it doesn't disappear. God sees it. He knows who's hot for Him, and He knows who's lukewarm. He knows. He sees those things. And that became a reality in his life because he courted that which was cursed. He began to love those things. I heard several years ago about a man that was diagnosed with diabetes. And he loved sweets. And to beat all, his wife was a great baker. I mean, she, she could cook any kind of pastry, pie, cake, custard, you name it. She could bake it, and he loved it. And he looked at the doctor. The doctor says, no, this is serious. This is not a joke. If you don't change your life, you're going to die. He says, what am I going to do? He says, you've got to learn to hate what's bad for you. You've got to learn to hate what's bad for you. And friend, I want to tell you something. That's the way we have to see sin. You've got to look at that it's bad for your spiritual life. And while the rest of the world and all the lukewarm Christians, you know, are playing footsie with the world, if you want to stay right with God, hot-hearted, and be used by God, you've got to hate what God has cursed. You've got to be serious about it. And if somebody wants to paint you legalistic, who gives a rip? As long as God's happy, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. But he began to court what God had cursed. But not only that, he covered what was contemptible. He covered that which was contemptible. Verse number 21, chapter 7 says, He brought it back and he buried it. 
He thought, well, nobody's going to know. Well, friend, his family had to have known. It was under the floor of the family tent. Everybody knew what was going on, whether there was a floor that he had to cut open or whether he had to dig up the earth. Everybody had to see something's different. And so the whole family is in on it now. He, he, he tries to cover this up. And I want to remind you, friend, sin never affects just you. It affects everybody that's in the concentric circles of your life. And it, it, it affects the church. It affected the entire nation of Israel, his sin did. That's what the devil leads you to think. Well, it's just me. It's just a secret sin. It's not a secret sin. It's going to affect you and it'll affect every single person that's in your family. I want you to remind you, friend, you're always building disciples. You hear me, child of God. If, you, if, if you're still awake, say amen. You're always building disciples. Either ones that look like Christ or ones that look like the world. You're either building disciples that are all in through the preaching and teaching of God's Word that you're living out amongst your family, or you're building lukewarm disciples that look just like you if that's the life you're living. But everyone that's under your influence is going to be just like you unless something miraculous happens in their life. And can I just pause and say again, that's one of the things in ministry in the past 20 years that absolutely burns me up about young parents that care more about worldly things than spiritual things in their kids' lives. If you want to go to hell, that's your business. But don't take your kids with you. If you want to be a do-nothing for Christ, that's your choice. But don't train your kids to be that way. Because we see it generationally happening. Rarely does the, does the tide ever change. It's just worse every single generation. Every single generation. You're always building disciples. He tried to cover that which was contemptible. But what he covered, don't miss this, God uncovered. He tried to hide it. So nobody will find this out. And God says, right, there it is. And here's one of the saddest parts of, about this whole story as it comes to Achan. Don't miss this. He had time prior to God speaking to uncover it and confess it. He could have gone to Joshua and said, Joshua, I need to talk to you. I've lost my mind. And I, I really blew it. Joshua said, well, Achan, what'd you do? I got up last night, and I walked over into Jericho, and I took a Babylonian garment, some silver and some gold, and I brought it back over here. And I'm convicted over this. I realize it's sin. I'm confessing it. And I want to turn these things over so that you can dispose of it. You say, well, Joshua just have killed him right there. Mm -mm, not so. Uh, the, the Bible says in, in the book of Proverbs, in chapter 28, and verse number 13, this. He who covers his sin will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Will have mercy. If he would have simply just confessed, then God would have covered it with the blood of the Lamb. But he didn't do that. He tried to cover it. I want you to hear me this morning. If you're here today... Is, is a lost person, and you think, you know, you're just going to ride this out and is, is a good Baptist to the very end, friend, listen to me. 
Nobody else may see the reality of where your truth stands, that you've never been co- your sins never been covered by the blood of the Lamb, but God knows who you are. And it's going to be sorted out in the end. Now, I want you to listen to me this morning, those who have been born again. If you've got some secret sin in your life today, sins of commission, and listen to me, maybe it's sins of omission. You make everybody think you read your Bible every day, and you never crack it until next Sunday. You make everybody think you're a prayer warrior. You know, pray for us. Oh, pray in hands, and you never pray. Oh, you're burdened about lost people, but you never ask God to give you favor. Because, again, you're writing a check with your mouth that your heart has no intentions of cashing. You're not going to witness to the first person. God sees those things. He knows those things. He sees the real you. But here's the hope, friend. If you'll confess what God already sees and forsake it, He'll cover it with the blood of Jesus Christ. And you can have a brand new start in Christ. Achan, he wasted that opportunity. And because of it, there was a sin that cost a life. Secondly, I want you to notice this morning, the sin that lost a fight. There was the sin that cost a life, but the sin that lost a fight. Well, this is Achan's sin. Why should the nation of Israel have suffered because of, of what happened. Well, look what God says in verse number 11. Israel has sinned. He didn't say Achan had sinned. He said Israel has sinned. There's two different things that are happening, but they end up affecting each other. You see, the Bible says that Israel has sinned. Remember, he sent out a recon, a little reconnaissance mission in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 7, and they come back and say, Hey, man, we know... We don't need to trouble the whole army. This is small potatoes compared to what we did. What we did, what we did over there in Jericho. I mean, this is nothing like that war, how we just laid, how we, did everybody hear me? How we just laid it to Jericho. So we don't need to, let's just send up two or three thousand. And when they began to think that way, friend, they began to sin against God. How is that? Well, because they began to have arrogance instead of awe. Arrogance instead of awe. They became prideful. Rather than standing in awe of what the Lord had done to Jericho. They began to be prideful about that. And and they got arrogant about that. They had no humility in their life. Listen to what verse 13 says of chapter 6. Then the seven priests uh, bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually. They blew with the trumpet, and the armed men went before them. But the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord. And while the priests continued blowing the trumpets, and they did this over all of these days, and when they finally... Uh, marched around the city, verse 16, the seventh time, it happened that the priests blew the trumps that Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Not what we've accomplished, but the Lord has given you the city. And rather than still standing in awe of what God had done, they became arrogant in their own pride. Remember 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 17. Saul had lost the kingdom. He failed to kill Agag. And remember Samuel came to Saul. You remember what he said? He said, when thou wast little in thine own eyes. He said, when you were a nothing. 
You were hiding in the suitcases. You were nothing. He said, God took you and made you king. Friend, anything in good that happens through you, through your family, or through this church, it's not about our ability. It's about our availability for the power of God to work through. And we need to stay humble before God and dependent upon Him. Arrogance was replaced, uh, replaced all. But, but not only that, uh, a sin lost the fight because there was an assumption instead of assurance. There was assumption instead of assurance. Chapter 6, verse 2 says this, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and its mighty men in valor. How could they walk around the city of Jericho in full assurance that they had the victory? They were just waiting on God to act. How could they do that? Because God said it. God verbally gave them assurance, the city's yours. But now they go into battle, don't miss this, simply assuming that God's going to go with them. They, they don't know for sure that it's what God wants to do. They just assume that because, you know, they're God's people, and they took the last city this way, that everything's going to work out that way. And so they didn't seek assurance from God. One of the most comical but sad passages of Scripture in the New Testament is Acts chapter 19. Remember the Apostle Paul? God is so working through him uh, that just through sweat rags, people are being healed. He has the power of God on him that demon-possessed people are being set free from that. Well, some of the itinerant Jews began to see that. And man, they thought, man, we want to get in on this action. Well, the Bible began to name seven of them. They were seven sons of a man by the name of Sceva. Well, listen, friend, they wouldn't have known God from a man in the road. But they thought, man, this is pretty cool what Paul's doing. And everybody thinks Paul's just awesome. They're talking about him. So we want to try this. So they went and found some demon-possessed men. And they went up and says, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, we adjure you to come out of this man. And the demon spoke through the man and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who in the world are you? And they jumped on those boys, friend, and whipped the living daylights out of all seven of them. Stripped their clothes. They went running out naked as a jaybird. Didn't have a stitch of clothes on them. The demon wore them absolutely out. Why? Friend, they assumed that God was going to work. But they didn't have assurance that God would work. Friend, many a Christian has lost their testimony and sometimes their life because they simply assume that their plan was God's plan. Don't ever assume. Seek assurance from the Word of God. Seek assurance. Psalm 119, verses 41 and 42 say this, Let your mercies come also to me, O Lord. Your salvation, listen, according to your Word, so shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word. He says, I trust in your word. The psalmist says, I don't seek assurance from anything. Else. I'm not laying the fleece out. I'm not looking for a sign. I don't need a dream. I seek for peace that passes all understanding that is undergirded by the unchanging truths of your holy word. And so an assumption became reality instead of assurance. But not only that, there was abandonment instead of activity. There was abandonment 
in the life of the nation of Israel instead of activity. The first thing they abandoned was devotion. They didn't pray. Nowhere in chapter 7, prior to the advance on Ai, do you see anywhere that Joshua prayed and sought the Lord. He didn't get on his knees and say, Now, God, it's time for the next fight. Now, Lord, you led us this way against Jericho. Now, God, what's your will as we go to Ai? Because I've told you that when we preached through uh, chapter number 6, you could have pulled all the military leaders in the world together and asked them the best way to take down Ai, and nobody would have come up with the battle plan that God gave the nation of Israel. Nobody. God picked something so absurd, my friend, that only he could get the glory for it. But they didn't, they didn't seek God. They, they had abandoned devotion. My friend, I'm telling you, you listen to me. Any Christian that ends up down in a ditch out of God's will, it started with little things. It started with little things. When you begin to neglect your study of God's Word early in the morning, and you begin to neglect prayer, spending time, communicating with God, and just being still and listening to His still, small voice, you've got trouble coming your way. Because what you're telling God is this, I don't need you today. God, we need you for Jericho, but we've got Ai. I can handle this situation. And so there was, there was abandonment and devotion. Not only that, but there was abandonment in dependence. Remember in uh, chapter 1, at the call of Joshua, God reminded him, he says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, Joshua understood from Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy chapter 28 that that statement, that promise was contingent. And it was contingent on one word that begins with an O, has a B-E-D in it, and ends with an E. Anybody know what, it, what that is? Obedience. Obedience. Joshua knew that the Lord being with him was contingent upon obedience. But the Lord had promised, I'm going to be with you. But we don't see anywhere that they're dependent upon the Lord in their attack on Ai. They don't even call him. And so they don't need the Lord. Hey, we'll just, we'll just take 3,000 of our choice and we'll be good. And they brought back men in black bags. They had to lay their dead bodies at the feet of their families and say, sorry, but that wouldn't have happened if they would have just stayed dependent on Upon the Lord. Friend, remember our Lord tells us in John chapter 15 and verse number 5, without me, you can do nothing. But the Apostle Paul has the reflexive truth. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus says you can't do anything without me, but Paul says the reverse truth of that is, in God's will, you can do everything. And that means take down the AIs of your life. God will give you the victory, but you must stay dependent. So there was abandonment of devotion, there was an abandonment of dependence, and there was an abandonment in duty. There was abandonment instead of activity. They weren't doing their duty. Look, look back at verse number 3 of chapter 6. It says, you shall... This, this was the, the takedown of Ai. It says, you... That's the entire nation. You shall march around the city. And all you... Men of war. That's everybody. Nobody was exempt. He said, all you men of war, you shall go all 
around the city once, this you shall do six days. But Joshua just decides, you know, we're, we're, we're not saying other people are busy. They're getting settled in. They're tired. They've got some things to we'll just we'll not trouble everybody. We'll just send this 3,000 up. Well, that wasn't God's plan. Everybody was to go. Deuteronomy 20 laid out principles for warfare. Everybody was to go. But they didn't go. And they suffered defeat. I talked to so many people that are so discouraged and disgusted with the state of our world and our country today. The, The moral corruption, the moral climate. If you just really love the way things are going in the world... Would you stand up so we can pray for you? Anybody? Why is it in the shape that it's in? It's spiritual in nature. I want to tell you why it's in the shape that it's in. Because every day, friend, everybody in the church isn't going to war. They're not going to war. God has called every single believer to live on mission. We're so focused about on the things that have no eternal value whatsoever. None. And as a result, and we've got neighbors that are dying and going to hell every single day. We walk around with the truth in our hearts, and people are dying and going to hell. People stand and just curse the darkness, but no one's turning on the light. Friend, I'm telling you. The reason that the United States of America is in the shape that it's in, it's not because of any political party, it's not because of any liberal judge, it's not because of any one person, it's because the church has neglected her duty to live on mission. That's the reason. And the only thing that's going to change the tide, friend, is a spiritual awakening in our country. And we're the ones that God has called to live on mission. And so somebody's got to go. It starts with with burden. Abandonment of duty. So as a result, 36 men die. Numbers chapter 32 and verse 23. God told them, be sure your sins will find you out. You can't hide sin. Be sure your sins will find you out. Listen to me. Achan's sin was discovered. Israel's sin was discovered. The things that they had failed to do, they became arrogant, they assumed, they abandoned the things that God said they were to be active in. I want to ask you this this morning. Now, this is the time in the service where everybody, a lot of people just mentally check out. This is the most important time in the service right now. I want to ask you this morning, is, is, is there anything buried under your tent floor today? Now listen to me, friend. Hear me. God sees it if it's there. Your spouse may not know about it. Young people, your mom and dad may not know about it. Elder believer, your kids and grandkids may not know about it, but God knows about it. He sees that it's there. But what a promise we have in Proverbs 28 and verse number 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but but whoever confesses and forsakes will have mercy. If you came here this morning with something buried under your tent, whether it's a sin of commission or a sin of omission, 
Would to God this morning, friend, you'd have enough spiritual sense to confess it and forsake it so God can cover it in the blood of Jesus and you can live in a right and leave in a right renewed relationship with Christ today. Doesn't that sound a lot better than the condemnation you're living in? Doesn't that sound better? And then secondly, this morning, I would challenge you in this. Well, what spiritual habits and patterns are you forming in the lives over those you have an influence? Achan had to come back with all of that in his hand. And there his family was and, and said, what is all that? But now, Daddy, didn't God say we can't have those things? Honey, didn't God say that, that, that garment's off limits? What? Well, I guess it's all right. I mean, if Dad says it's okay, it's all right. And so the whole family got on it. And the Bible says the whole family died as a result. I want to ask you this morning, think about this. What habits are there in your life that are out of line with the character and conduct of Jesus Christ that are influencing those of whom God's given you influence over? Think about that this morning. The impact is real. And third, I want to ask you this morning this. Have the basic spiritual disciplines, the do's, the things that God commands us as believers that we're responsible, have the basic spiritual disciplines become the blatant spiritual don'ts in your life? Be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. Don't be deceived. Listen again to what James chapter 1 verse 22 says. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. See, this is the deception. We're about to go to the invitation. Listen to me. Here's the spiritual deception. Don't be deceived. Achan and all the leaders of Israel, they thought knowing what God had said was the same as doing what God had said. And what God, what the devil has developed down here in the south and the good Baptist is, we, we think a meaning truth and holding up holy hands to truth is the same as obeying truth. And it's not the same. It's not enough just to know. Unless you do it, there is no benefit. Hell's going to be full of people that knew the gospel, but they wouldn't obey the gospel. The judgment seat of Christ is going to have a line of people crying crocodile tears who knew what to do, but they never did it. They won't hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Achan was deceived. The leaders of Israel were deceived. Don't be spiritually deceived. If the basic Christian disciplines, the do's, have become the spiritual don'ts, stop today. Recommit your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and leave with freshness and a fresh recommitment to His Lordship and saying, God, whatever you've called me to do, whatever the cost, I'm all in. I'll be obedient to your word in all things. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you've never turned and trusted Christ to be Lord of your life, you're lost in your sin today. There's a penalty for that. One of these days you're going to die. I don't care how Baptist you are, how many services you've been to, how deep your family tree runs in the history of the church. If you've never been born again, John 3, 7, you'll spend eternity in a place called hell if you die without Jesus Christ. God loves you. He demonstrated it and that He sent Christ to die in your place even while you were still a sinner. 
Won't you turn from sin today and trust Him to be Lord of your life? He'll take you. He'll cleanse you. He'll make you and mold you into the person He wants you to be. But it begins with you turning and trusting Him today. Tell Him so right now where you sit. God, forgive me a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me and He rose again. And I submit my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's my decision today. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Child of God, is there sin buried under your tent today? God sees it. Don't be deceived. He knows it's there. Stop covering it. Because He's going to uncover it. Be sure your sin will find you out. Uncover it today. Confess it to Him. Forsake it. And leave with that sin covered in the blood of Jesus. Father, I pray you'll challenge your church today. God, I pray for those, Lord, who who were, their, their lives are not gripped by sins of commission, but sins of omission. They're not being faithful to the spiritual disciplines, the commands of Christ for every believer. Holy Spirit, I simply pray now, you will do what only you can do. Bring conviction. Call us. Call us to repentance. And I pray, God, that we'll respond as you speak your will to our lives today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let's reverently stand our feet. Heads are back.